Yes, welcome back to Cheltenham Only Better, episode 11. We've got a juicy show this week as we cover and look back at the DRF Festival. <gasps> so much to talk about. I better not speak too much. Of course, we're joined once more by Kevin Blake in a beautiful looking hotel room there with some caramel looking curtains. Daryl Carter looking absolutely dapper as always. And a wonderful guest this week. Richard Hoyles, as you'll know, as commentator and also ITV racing commentator. So what a lineup we have. Before we get stuck in, I want to tell you about a new offer on the sports book. It's completely free. It's a completely free bet on racing multiples and it's available every weekend until the Cheltenham Festival. So opt-in required, T's and C's apply. All you have to do to find out more is check out the Betfair Sportsbook and find out more about the offer. So welcome, welcome. Daryl, how are you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Plugging a few holes in the old canoe at the weekend. There was leaking <laughs> leaking cash everywhere, but it was uh, a guy out alive, so it was not too bad. Picked up a little bit this week, but um, loads to get stuck into to this week, like proper loads. This is like, this is the point now where decisions are being, you have to be making your decisions in terms of the Cheltenham Festival. Sort of, you have to have in your head where you think all the novices, for example, are rated. So, yeah, good, good. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to the lads' views on, on the past weekend. Yeah, I don't blame you, Kev. We've been talking about this, haven't we? Um, we were waiting for the um, DRF. I saw you there with your little microphone for ITV with sally Ann. Very good, very, very good. Um, and we've been waiting for this. And now, for example, the Arkle looks flipping wide open, doesn't it? Yeah, a few, a few bubbles burst. A couple of big bubbles burst. Um, but... A few bubbles expanded as well. So it's look, loads and loads to pick through and waffle away with, with opening chat. We, we've got loads to talk about, can't we? Yeah. And Richard, lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. No problem at all. WRF, I think we should call it. Forget the D bit. Just Willie, isn't it? Willie's Racing <laughs> Festival. We all come up in February and Willie just, you know, sends them all out and one of them wins. I did love some of the commentary. And another one for Uncle Willie. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Sure, he loves being called Uncle Willie. Um, well, let's kick off then and look back through the week, day one of the DRF review, uh, the Nathaniel Lacey race, uh, dancing city 50 to 1 into 12 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett and 50 to 1 into 21 for the Barring Bingham. And within this, Daryl, we'll start with you, of course. We can discuss Predators Gold, uh, 12s up to 25, so the Albert Bartlett and Jatara, who looked in fine fettle towards the closing stages, 14 to 1 out to 25 to 1 for the Mare's Hurdle. Yeah, Jatara's definitely run a, run a race here, and I think that's where the handicap has rated this around because the Irish handicap has given Dancing City a rating of 151 on the back of this performance. That is actually good enough probably to, to win the last eight or nine Albert Bartlett's. Uh, you look, look back to last year, stay away with Faye when he was rated 136. And don't forget, you've got to add the British tax onto that 151 rating as well. So, it, look, they could have made him a lot shorter than 12 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett. I can't see him going to the to the bar in Bingham, to be honest with you. I think he's got another handful for that. But he looks a stout stayer. I like the way he, the, the turn of foot he showed between the second last and last um, to pull out and really take the, the race by the scruff of the neck. Great ride by uh, by Danny Mullins. He's he's a nice progressive horse. He's taking steps forward each, with each run, and and yeah, he's got the rating to really be in the mix uh, at Cheltenham. So he, for me, really ought to be you know edging favouritism really on the back of this. Um, 
Yeah, look, his SP of 20 to 1 has probably played a bit of a part in that and and, and not cutting him so short in the anti-post markets for Cheltenham. Predators Gold, I, look, he's a, he's a decent horse. But for me, he's he's a mid-140s horse, really. You know, the handicap has given him 150 as well, but he's probably mid to high 140s. Um, look, Dancing City for me sets a standard at the moment in the Albert Bartlett, but it's it, there's there's still water to go under the bridge in in that in that race. Sure is. Uh, and Richard Horser, we'll come to you on how you analyse the Nathaniel Lacey race. Yeah, I, I didn't have Jatara running up as quite as positively as, as Daryl did. I thought she was keen, and Rachel lost her iron three out just as she was still keen, and she didn't finish off as she was entitled not to. But I didn't have her rated quite as high, so. I if we're talking numbers, I wouldn't have got to such a big number for Dancing City. The other thing with the Albert Bartlett is that of all the staying races, it's the, of all the um, novice races, it's the one that sometimes is so grueling um, that the form book goes out the window. But I do agree there was no fluke to me about Dancing City's success. And obviously, I suppose with Predator's Goal, we should mention that represented the Caldwell Potter form line. It was obviously a shame that with the dispersal sale that we didn't get that piece of the jigsaw in place. Um, and now in Caldwell Potter's case... We've pinched one off you, Kevin, I think, haven't we? Come in our side. And didn't even have the manners to wear a balaclava. <laughs> I mean, going off piece slightly, but I mean, the money, I know you were keeping across it. The money just kept rolling in, didn't it? You'd rather have been a seller than a, a buyer, wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it was wildly strong now. Really, really strong beyond expectations. Um uh, and and yeah, look, there was a few that, that made made well overs. Um, you can, look, you can make a case that Caldwell Potter wasn't, um, crazy expensive. It's clearly a lot of money, but when people are willing to, you know, stick down four hundred grand plus on point to point winners, um, seven forty for a Grade One winning novice hurdler that looks a chaser in the making at this stage of his life, you could say that it doesn't look that expensive. But uh, we're we're talk we're we're in, we're in a bubble here having those conversations. But um, should look best to look to the connections. Um, it sounds like he might not go to Cheltenham, which wasn't music to my ears. Given he sits, um, he sits in my portfolio, um, for for this particular program, um. So there you go. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully he'll settle in quickly to life in Ditcha, and um, and they might let him take his chance. They will. And Kev, the Nathaniel Lacey race, and for you, how are you looking at those uh, three runners aforementioned? Yeah, I'd, I'd be more with Richard, um, in terms of pulling this down at just just a little bit, um watching the race and then looking back at it afterwards, I was surprised what the finishing speed of the race was. Having watched it, I was kind of a, visually, I thought that the, the pace was a small bit more um, steadier than it was. Um, like plenty of these, I thought, fluffed their lines and didn't perform on the day. Like the, 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 the standard of jumping was quite poor on the day. Like a, a few really fluffed their lines, Jatara, um, as well as being keen. Um, just just didn't jump as well as she can. Um, look, none of this is Dancing City's fault. He was one of those that that largely did his thing and did did it professionally. Um, Predator's goal hit the line well. Um, I, if you had to put me to the wall now, do I think this race will produce a festival winner? Um, I I'd be very much on the side of no. Um, and look, these horses will have options over, over the mid-range or the longer trip, but it, it just wasn't the race that, that set me alight, if I'm honest. It's just fine. <laughs> it's just fine. Um, Richard, I'm going to come to you firstly for the Spring Juvenile, because really, to be honest, I just need your help. I've watched the replay three times, and I still can't pronounce Karji, Kar, Kar, 
Well, <laughs> well, I know. It's, it, it, I think the, the first five home are all French bread, aren't they? So we could, we could, we could have bunting and strong art with <laughs> cargis, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. My, I, I'm not bad at French. I but, don't um, think it is cargis because I met. I was watching the replay. I thought, oh, Natalie. Get that one right out there, and you'll look really clever. And I've forgotten. <laughs> I tell you, I give a little sidetrack on this. If you look at the sire of of Cargese, which I was calling her, which is probably totally wrong. Well done, Cargese. Uh, I, I believe is how it's supposed to be pronounced. But he's recently been bought from France and now stands down in Rapari Stud, which is down very firmly in County Cork. And oh. I think the the, uh, the 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 locals are have, have really been struggling with the France. <laughs> <laughs> Their efforts made, I believe. <laughs> that's amazing i just call it something else i really would um okay but cargazy no, that sounds right spring juvenile cargazy 12 to 1 into 6 to 1 for the triumph Stormheart 5 to 1 out to 10 to 1 now um Majbra, 14 to 1 into 7 to 1 and Hunching 8 to 1 out to 20 to 1 uh richard i think we will start with you this time on the spring juvenile yep um five horses covered by three lengths I'm still happy that Sergino sets the standard. Um, and most important that she travelled into the race well, um, Cargazi, or however we want to say. I didn't think she really then stamped her authority away from the last. And, you know, Madgeborough finished well. And if you looked at the race in isolation, that might be the the best thing. And, well, we've all been going bunting mental, but I wouldn't be off the back of of, of the horse, as opposed to the darts player. And um, I, I didn't see anything there that shakes... Sergino's grip of the market, which is amazing, because take out Constitution Hill, and Daryl will even cross it more than me, but there's not that many anti-post favourites we've had in grade one hurdle races outside Constitution Hill at this stage of the season, I don't think. No, and Daryl is the biggest Sergino fan. Daryl has been kind of with Sergino all the way, haven't you, Daryl? So, yeah, um, pull apart the spring juvenile for us. Yeah, I thought it was fairly steadily run. I thought Cargis or whatever it's called, um, uh, one, one well enough. But when you look at the 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 form with Carla Conti, it was only a couple of lengths behind her here, half a length behind, half a length ahead of her at Christmas. I thought it was her racing position in comparison to Carla Conti that probably saw her reverse the form rather than a big step forward of improvement. Um, I was very happy, obviously, to see five lengths covering the, the first five home. I thought Masbro was the one to take from the race. I thought it was two to take from the race, actually. I thought Masbro and Ethical Diamond was the other. Ethical Diamond actually clocked the same identical um, three to finish time as the winner did. Came from much, much further back, sloppy jumping throughout the race. I was wondering if they might try and get another run into Ethical Diamond. There's a grade three at Fairy House that they tend to use in the middle of February and then maybe go on to the Boodles, but you know, that, that sort of pie in the sky at the moment. But that's sort of how I'd be looking at Ethical Diamond. In terms of the Triumph Hurdle, I didn't think there was anything here that would worry me in, in, in my in my pocket with Sergino. I thought I think he's by far the, the best horse in, in this division. And uh, it's nice to see that the Brits have a uh, strong juvenile because this division has obviously been dominated by the Irish over the last few years. And uh, I think Sergino is, is... Well, I did mention I think he could be the second best hurdler in Britain. Um, and there's not such wild claims when you take out Constitution here and look at Not So Sleepy, who is actually officially rated the second best herder on 158. I don't think it would take a whole lot for, for Sergino to get to that sort of mark. So, yeah, I think I think Sergino is a good thing and I wouldn't be considered. I, I suppose if Majbra did take a step forward, he did look like a quite a nice type, the way he strode out, you know, the way he went about his business, the way he battled back at the finish. I think he'll come on for the run, but he'd have to 
come on a hell of a lot to beat Sejino. Yeah, Kev, what about you? Yeah, I like the front too. I thought, thought the winner was good and hardy, and she'd run very well at Christmas. Um, it come from a, a far from ideal position the way the race went. They they set it out to to ride that here, jumped her off handier, and um, look, she was she was good and hardy under pressure. The runner up has come from further back than than those that finished around him, so I think he deserves a little mark up. For, you know, for all the the, the finishing speed of the race was pretty much on par. Um, I thought he did acquit himself well. Um, Majbra. He he would have heavily taken your eye in the parade ring now, um, like chaser in the making. Um, don't know how much of a rush they'll be in with him this year, or how deep they'll want to throw him. Um, he obviously won't be a novice next season, given what he did in France. But I'd say chasing as a as a four rising five year old might well be the plan for him. So I don't know if they'll um send him too deep down the well this year. Would be this season would be my question mark there if you're thinking about backing up for Cheltenham or that. I haven't heard anything. Uh, to suggest he won't go to Cheltenham, but I just looking at him, I wouldn't be surprised if they're if they're happy to be patient. And ethical diamond that echoed that from Daryl ran really well, but I wouldn't be surprised if Willie has in his mind maybe you know two more runs in good graded company, and uh, and come back as an novice next season. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked because he does look like a work in progress with his jumping, but um, he he was a lovely horse in the flat. He cost a lot of money. And I'd say that they might be happy enough to take a patient approach with him. Might just yeah. be worth mentioning, Majbra, if I, I think I'm correct in saying, the only race he can go for was the triumph, isn't it? Because he's not, oh, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not a novice, so he couldn't get another run in and, and then go to the Boodles because he, he wouldn't. Yeah, so, same, as, uh, same as Sergino, which is slightly yeah. bizarre in that he, he wouldn't be eligible for the, for the Supreme. Um, which is easy. What about price it be for that? But we won't have those conversations. That, Too much to get through. <laughs> that is the that is the same for that is the same for the for the boodles, isn't it? Because the boodles is a is a novice handicap, if I'm correct in thinking. Oh no, I must check that actually. I think it's one of the juvenile handicap hurdle. Yeah, okay. But I, I'll double check that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Double check that because because like as I mentioned that Fairy House Grade Three that is a race that um JP has used for his for his boodles horses, and obviously Mashburn would only need one more run. But I'm pretty sure that. Losing his novice status in France means he's not eligible for it, but it might be worth having a look. Very yeah, interesting going into next year as well, then, because there'll be a few races um, that they won't be qualified for, intermediates and what have you, this yeah. country as well. Fascinating point there. Nice. We wrap that section up. So we look towards the Irish Arkle. I mentioned the Arkle before because just. Ugh. Looks a bit more wide open now. Um, Ilete Tomps, 12 to 1 into 4 to 1 for the Arkle. Marine National, 4 to 7 out to 5 to 2, not surprisingly. Founder, 59 to 1 into 5 to 1. And Fastil Vega, 8 to 1. Uh, it was a fascinating race to watch. Do Marine National, just, I'm not sure if we look totally happy. The head carriage looked a bit higher. What What do you think, Darren? Should we start with you? What do you think? Yeah, well, I don't know what to think, really, no. to be honest with you. Like, like I must admit, and this is not after timing, but I must admit, I wasn't as I wasn't as blown away with his with his debut over fences as a lot of people were. Right. I thought he was. I, I didn't like the way he had to be shaken up after the last to, to fend off firm footings, but not to fend him off, but sort of just to pull away from him. Um, here, he he gained lengths at every fence for me. Here, he was, you know, he caught your eye. From a mile out, he was he was being reined back after every after every fence. The pace of the race was very slow. Founder fifty has now dictated two very slowly run races. Like this was slower than the final circuit of Gallop into Champs is, is race, right? He has dictated slowly run races, and it turned into a somewhat of a dash. But 
he didn't have that that burst of speed that we that we saw, you know, in the Supreme that we saw last year in the Royal Bond, where he was able to make a deadly mistake at the last and then show that bright turn of foot to quicken up. Like you say, his head carriage was a bit funny. I thought there was loads of components to this race. I thought it was a bit of an overconfident ride, I thought, I must admit. And it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's blown things wide open. But if you look at the mid part of the race, the way he's jumping past these horses and just being taken back a bit, I think he's the best, you know, it, I think he's undoubtedly the best horse in the race. But whether his well-being is on point, is a different matter because this was a very, very tame finishing effort. I mean, you go back and watch the race and you look at the ground that Sharjah made up on, on Marine National. That will show you how much of a tame finishing effort this was. Now, I know he wasn't hard pushed, but I'm not sure there would have been entirely a lot, a lot left if he if he did. So, yeah, the, the, the wind up, the tongue tie, it's all red flags for me at the moment. And um, Marine National, backers ought to be worried, I think. Yeah, Richards. Yeah, I think the wind up is the one that keeps nagging, doesn't it? That that head was quite high after the mistake. I thought late so. On. Um, yeah, it's, look, it's it, it has blown it wide open, and I'd love to feel that there was a British horse capable of taking advantage. But I checked the anti-post market; we've still got nothing shorter than twelve to one with JPR one, even even after all of this. The thing about Ilete Toy is he just doesn't look the archetypal chaser. He was going down the back straight, and I think Marine Nacional was sort of alongside him or close to him. And, you know, one, he's got twice the size or seems to have twice the scope, and yet Ilete Tom gets it done at this particular meeting. But, of course, he didn't really back it up at Cheltenham last year. It has opened it up. Unfortunately, all it's done is muddy the waters for me as regards the pecking order of the of the Irish. I, I would be worried about Marine Nacional because even though he was taken back in the race and they could have let him stride on. I remember the confidence he was ridden when he won at Cheltenham, won the Supreme. Um, and the finishing effort was was sadly lacking. Um, and he's only now had the two runs over fences going into this. So you now must, maybe that you've got another run into him as well. But uh, yeah, it certainly hasn't made it easy at all. No, it hasn't. And Kev, this division, obviously, speed, accuracy, jumping, is, well, probably one of my favourite races, of Cheltenham Festival, um, the Arca, but Kev, uh, like for Seal Vega, I thought was a, a bit tight uh, to the fences in the early stages. Then he did start to relax and jump better. Um, the winner, Ila Teton, actually, to be fair, has got a hell of an attitude. I know he's got a bit of the headgear, but kind of ground it out. And then we've already said Marine National just didn't look quite on form. So obviously you were there. Talk us, just talk us through the Irish Arca for your point of view. Um, as you might look, my main takeaway was that I'd be I'd be very worried about um Marine National. Yeah. Um look, I think that wind up and the tongue tie, you know, I, I I'd be very worried about the way he carried himself. You know, you you see you watch him he was tilting his chin up, you know, quite a bit late on, you know, which is usually a horse that's you know, looking for air. And uh there are a couple of other things as well, and I just would be I would be pretty worried about it now. Um, look, if the ground came up good at Cheltenham, he'll have a much better chance of being okay. Um, but if it was on the softer side like it was here, I'd just be a bit worried. I'd say I reading between the lines now, based on the evidence we have, it, it looks like his 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 breathing has has gone downhill, um, uh, which he can like like kind of crazily quickly. Um, so that that's it's 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 it, it was it was disappointing now. Um, and it's blown the thing wide open because really the market had the crown on his head before he ever jumped the fence in public. 
and then and you know he was very short coming into this he's still short to me at the minute um i wouldn't like to be to be rowing in with him and i know we always say forgive one run um but at that price now geez you need to be you need to be extremely forgiving um and and it's wide open and all of a sudden it looks like the bar of what will be required has has lowered and um yeah it, it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what turns up will there be you know switch switchy Late on, will someone smell smell blood in the water and switch from the from the the turners back down to the shorter trip closer to the time? I'd say it's a distinct possibility. Um, so yeah, I I, I this scene is is wide open and there's lots of scope for for chicanery late on. I think. What did you make yeah. of Fast Vega, Kev? Because I thought I was about this. To was... Say that. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. sorry. Now, I, 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 think, was... I, think, I think he wa- I think he wants to go up and trip. Would be my feeling. I think he, uh, I think I, I think they absolute... had that I think they very much had that thought in their head um after he disappointed at Christmas they persevered based on his homework and he, he must be an absolute you know there mustn't be a pigeon left in Clausotten after him because he seems to work like a machine all the time um but I think they they went against their their Willie went against his instinctual inclination after Christmas to try the shorter trip again and I don't think they'll do it again I think they'll go longer next time you don't think he'll go to Yarkle? I think, I think like the pace of yeah. the pace of the race in an Arkle is going to be like completely contrasted to what he's had the last twice. Like honestly, the last two races he's run at Leopardstown have been terribly slowly run and turned into sprints. I'd like to see him just just go back to old tactics and just bowl along and just make it a real test from the mm. front. He, he, you know, he ran much better here. Than he did last year at this meeting, and he's not a massive fan of, of Leopardstown either. So the, he at least finished off his race, and I'd I'd, I'd be taking some positives from Fasol Vegas run there. Yeah, but and we, I think you're right with that because I think the pace as well. When he got really a bit deep at the beginning, it was like it certainly wasn't run off his feet, but he was like, oh, you know, like but you say, if he was bowling long, got into his rhythm because he's got the engine. Mm. Yeah. Just jumping, jumping might be the issue if you set out to do that. Yeah, will, will he jump well enough to allow him to do that over the trip? You know, I possibly. think he could. He could end up bursting him for trying to do that if his jumping does isn't on point. Mm. Can I just raise something on the back of that? Because I checked something out, and I stand to your greater knowledge. You can't supplement, can you, for any of the championship races at the festival? Oh, I think you can. Oh, no, just, just sorry, just before I forget it, um, regards the the query of on the boodles there a minute ago. Um, it's it's for juveniles. So you you could you can run it if you're not a novice in that you know French circumstance, um and uh, if I have the well I have the condition book up I will answer your question. Uh, yeah, I, I just had a quick glance. I couldn't see one. I was, I was intrigued. Intrigued. Well, for lots of reasons actually. We'll talk about the field sizes and things like that for the championship. But if you can't, then you should be able to. And the reason I mentioned it with regards to this was Charger, <laughs> because as soon as Charger's you know not going to cut it, I don't think in however good his Cheltenham record is in, in one of these novice chases. And when they were talking about two or three runners, I immediately scuttled away to see if I could find whether or not it would be worth supplementing him for yet another champion hurdle, given, given the profile. But I can't see any supplementary um, fee. Uh, Richard, for, for 18,000 of your British pounds, you could supplement into the, the champion hurdle on the 6th of March. Can you? Thank you very much indeed. I can't find that on my list. So that that is interesting um, because a, a lot of the... So was it eighteen thousand, Kev? What's the, as you as you got the conditions up there? What's the overall prize? Um, overall prize is 
450,000 pounds. Yeah, so you see, in the old days, I think it was a lot more to supplement. Yeah, it was more like on the flat, it's like 10% of... That's of, right. Of and yeah. yeah, whereas this year, and it's largely been ignored so far, the King George was very cheap to supplement. Um, I think if you're, again, if you've got the actual distribution for prizes there, if there's only going to be three or four runners, it, it, anyone who's got... Yeah, half if, you, if, you, if you finish fourth, you've made a profit. Really. There you go, you see, so... <laughs> So, you know, and, and the impact on some of the anti-post markets is quite interesting. So, yes, my scarless thought was whether or not really we'd go away and see that and think, well, what we're going to lose. Now you see, you, see, you see, Richard, now you, you're you're playing you're playing checkers there now. But I'll introduce a bit of chess into the equation. If you're if you're really clever, wouldn't, wouldn't you go down the, the request the better route? Before you supplement and get on, get on at a hundred to one each way, and then supplement. <laughs> <laughs> I like the angle. I think it's something that's been overlooked in this country. Is that they, um, in order to try and make the races more competitive, I checked out all the conditions, and Lydia Hislop helped me when we were doing it. Um, it's a much lower percentage than it was, and the racecourse is allowed to do that because in the past it all went into prize money. So it is just worth checking out an angle there um, for the value of doing that because for the Queen Mother Champion Chase, where I don't think there'll be a big field, and the Champion Hurdle, where we've been talking about, um, you should get at least four, shouldn't you, Kev? Otherwise, somebody is asleep at the wheel because yeah. it's worth supplementing at 9.59 Um on that day or you have to go five days i think don't you so you're not 100 percent sure to get it back but it, it's an it's an interesting angle for for a few horses that might get redirected i think yeah well we were discussing it on monday trying to set the spread on the runner numbers in the champion hurdle and we were setting the spread at five and since then imperia pass has been ruled out so <laughs> it, it's yeah. an incredibly interesting point actually that no it really is i love it i love that analytical way of thinking yes why not look more into supplements um daryl we have just got a listener question in from neil dawkins who will mullins send to the arkle yeah i think i i mean i'm of the opinion that i don't think you'd go up and trip with fast vega now um there's not a whole lot between them and uh i don't see why he would he would move him up in trip i think uh, i think he's earmarked fat to file for the turner so i think i think i think that the, the guys you saw run the horses you saw run in the Irish Arkle, we'll be reopposing pretty much in the... Uh... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute, I'm sure. Just, just on fact of file and being earmarked for the Turners, there, there's, there is an, an external factor there in that I'd say probably the one owner who can dictate to Willie Mullins is probably JP. <laughs> yeah, that's and, true. And Frank Barry, and they have Corbett's Cross there who would have a range of options. He's um, going national hunt chase. Big gamble this week. He might he, he, well be, but I just I throw it in the mix that that there that I wouldn't like to be super bullish just because if the if the if the McManus team um take a strong view that there could be scope for a bit of swipping and swapping. But it, yeah, look, you're you're probably on the right track, but I just would throw that little asterisk at the end of it. You throw it in there, Gab. You put it in there. Cat amongst the pigeons. Um, Richard, uh, the Irish Gold Cup galloping to Champs, one to one into four to six. The Gold Cup fast or slow, four to one out to five to one. All the prices I give are from the Betfair Sportsbook, so do make sure you check out the sportsbook. And Richard, we've got another um listener question from Tom um Froggart. I know they weren't racing from an early stage, but fast or slow gave four lengths to galloping to Champs at the start on Saturday before being beaten four and a half lengths. Any relevance when looking at the rematch? I just don't think at that stage of the race you can sort of use those 
sort of four lengths here equals four lengths at the end. Yeah. Um, if you look at the the sectionals, then within two furlongs, fast or slow had recovered 0.4 of a second. So effectively half that deficit. And it was obviously the desired tactical makeup. They had the opportunity to line up as they will. It's always interesting to me this about race distances lost at the beginning, because it always seems to me and think of Paisley Park and that you can think of plenty of others. The number of times a horse crosses the line after a slow start, even on the flat, and you say, oh, it got beaten by less than it lost at the start. There must be something about the dynamics of certain races that make that a completely unfair comparison because Paisley Park, when he won that race, you know, wasn't 15 lengths better than the horses that he beat. So I, I take the point. Um, but for me, Galapan de Chon possibly won in a manner a race that was run more to suit fast or slow, in since it was slow rather than fast. And Galapan de Chon, the body language of Paul Townend suggested he wasn't worried even when the horse was quite close two out so no uh, another tick in the Galapanda Sharp box really um and he's beginning to look as if he could be um back-to-back -back gold cup winner relatively comfortably in terms of the opposition it probably won't work out like that the gold cup is a notoriously yeah. um, tricky race to do that but yep big big tick from me thought he won despite a tempo really Daryl yeah completely agree with everything Richard said I thought he you know, I, th I thought if he would have turned it into more of a stamina test, he would have won by further. Paul didn't have to pick up the stick. It was hand and heels. Um, I don't see how fast or slow can reverse the form. In terms of fast or slow, I mean, I put him up for the Ryanair at 33-1 before that race because it's jumping, to me, how quick he is over a fence is, is that of a two-and-a-half mile and not a, not a three-mile-two sort of gold cup horse. But I doubt they'll go that route. They'll probably continue and have another crack at him at, uh, at, at Cheltenham. But... I just think Gallop into Champs is far more sort of stronger over a, over a real test of three miles than than fast or slow would be. I suppose the one niggle I do have with Gallop into Champs is this was an extra run that he's taken in on route to the Gold Cup. He's now had probably, I mean, he would have had some sort of a race, you know, whether it had been a really hard race at the weekend, I'm not sure, but it, it would have still left a little bit of a mark on him. And that's one extra run that he's had this year than he did last and he's not going to be able to dictate the race in the Gold Cup with the amount of pace that's going to be on there. So there are sort of little angles looking to take Gallup into Champs on odds on. Um, I can't, I can see him, you know, being a bit more of a backable price on the day. If I'm being honest, if likes of Long Press and Shishkin come through their their prep mm -hmm. runs, so I'd hold fire. I wouldn't be backing anything at odds on. But um, yeah, I, I do have just a little niggle that there was parts of this in in the jumping department where it's slightly a little bit laboured from him, but. The fact that he's, you know, he's not jumped foot perfect. He's still one under hand and heels going away from fast or slow. I think it would have to dampen connections his uh, feelings on trying to reverse the form in the Gold Cup for fast or slow. Yeah, Kev, what about you? Yeah, like like fast or slow, I jumped him all the way really, or certainly in the first circuit, and um, and still couldn't get to him. A bit, a little bit of a messy race. Um, look, Gallop and the Champ is is the best thing chaser around. Is there a circumstance in which he can get beaten at Cheltenham? Um, like the the vulnerable time for him, if there is one, will be the first circuit because, I like I don't know if we'll ever get back to the jumping of his early stages over fences where he was you know more attacking and more um aggressive and and more quicker through the air. He, he in in the process of getting him to relax to get the gold cup trip, they probably lost some of that in his jumping, and the only fear for him is that 
you know, like like Daryl says, he won't be leading at Cheltenham, I don't think. I think he will be handy. Is that if he just did lose his rhythm early, you know, you can get punished a bit more in a gold cup for being, you know, three quarters of a length to length slow offences because it is so much more of a competitive environment and that if you do lose a length of defence, you're more likely to get shuffled out of your spot, etc. You know, that would be the only hope I'd see on the horizon for his rivals that the first circuit goes wrong for him um, because I think he has, you know, more than a few lengths over his rivals here in terms of end product ability. And um and and that's kind of where I sit with it now. Will I be opposing him come the day? I I'd say it's pretty unlikely. And that, just on that point you made about the four lengths, um, I've just got into the race IQ data for that, which in a small field is always a bit tricky. But just to give you a point of what Kev was saying, you know, fast or slow made nearly nine lengths positively over the rest of the field, jumping wise, and Galapandashon lost three, and fast or slow still couldn't beat him. So. You know, as I say, in small field, those numbers need to be taken with a little bit of a pinch of salt because it's related to how the rest of the field jump. But there was a big sway in terms of jumping in favour of fast or slow at the weekend. Still still couldn't win. Like it. Well, I am going to sort of wrap this section up with uh, the rest of the market movers on the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, Kev, don't worry, I'll come back to you about Madara. 20 to 1 to 10 to 1 for the Grand Annual. And uh, that was a lovely story. Sophie Leach, uh, brave going over. Uh, over the waters and uh, it paid off under a, a beautiful ride from James Reeveley. Um, Jerry Burrow matching was 16 to 1 into 3 to 1, favourite for the champion bumper, but has sadly been ruled out for the season. And you ought to know is 20 to 1 into 12 to 1 for the champion bumper. But Kev, I will come back to you on Madara because I know that you were on your little cup of okay, grand, fine, whichever way it goes in. I think it was like a little, a little embers of fire for you. I thought, he, I thought he was really good. Um, and look, there's much to, much to love about what this was. You know, a British raider going over, um, having a crack and winning, which was super. One of only three that went over. And um, look, look, I, I think plenty of British trainers are missing a trick, uh, especially with handicap chases. Um, in, in terms of coming over to Ireland to have a go, um, the Julie did, and I, I was impressed with their performance. And you look at his profile, and like you'd have great hope that there's more to come again. Um, I think off the the revised rating isn't going to be overly um, arduous with a view to the grand annual. You'd like to think that race would would, would suit him particularly well. And um, look, while the grand annual isn't always won by one like this, that's you know very much marching up the ranks quickly. Um, I I quite like the way he's going now. I, I thought he won with plenty to spare here. Um, there was there was a difference of opinion now, but personally, I don't think he was on the best part of the track, uh, where he raced, and I I'd mark him up a little bit. Um, so you know that that only puts a bigger shine on it, and um, yeah, hopefully he gets to Cheltenham in one piece, and he'll have a he'll have a right old chance, I'd say, in the Grand Annual. Good, and your performance of the week, Madara. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of those where look, what was it the performance of the week in terms of a number? No, no. um, but the 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 alternatives that were knocking around my brain were all sort of painfully obvious. So I thought uh, underlining Madara. Might be the 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 nice balance between um you know trying to inform and also not being painfully obvious. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, day two of the Dublin Race Festival review. I'm going to start off with Daryl, the Ladbrokes novice chase factor file ten to one into seven to four for the Turners and seven to two into five to two for the Brown Advisory Gaelic Warrior thirteen to eight out to seven to one for uh the Turners. All the price on the Betfair Sportsbook. Daryl, I'm absolutely going to bamboozle you because I'm going to start with a listener question as well called the Syndicate Eagle. 
where do you run factor file if you were the owners turners or the brown advisory oh undoubtedly the turners um now part part that might be my pocket talking a little bit but sort of when you go down the the, the turners sort of field like what's what's running like that 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 would be you know that would be the way i would look at it and he's shown so much speed here to think that you know he he'd have a, a a big big chance in this in following following the likes of Gallup and Deschamps. I mean, just looking quickly down the market now, um, to see like who would run. He's in the top at seven to four. You've got Ginny's Destiny, who's certainly going to run. You've got Fasol Vega, could well not run. Gallup Gaelic Warrior, who may miss the festival entirely. Founder Fifty, who's going to go to the Ark or Grey Dawnan, who's going to go to the Brown Advisory. Corbett's Cross, who could go Brown Advisory National Hunt Chase. Hermes Allen, who's unfortunately ill-fated. Ile France is not going to come over. Ilite Tomps, we're going to go to the Arkle. Iroko, we don't know if he's going to make it. And then you're out to Nickelback at 20 to 1. Mm. Nickelback is uh, is obviously a, a danger if he brings that sort of silly ass form. But then you it's, it's almost like having four novice chases. This meeting is a bad idea, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong because there are too many options for, for a lot of these horses. But look. The percentage call for me is to go for the race that you're now putting his favourite at, or do you want to step up and trip? And do you want to try and take on Dower Stairs like Stay Away Fay and Grey Dawning and other horses like that? Um, again, as Kev mentioned earlier, though, it will be the JP McManus sh- shuffle in the pack. So, you know, we don't really know. My my idea of him as a is is the winner of the turners, particularly on this performance. Now, this was only a two runner race, obviously. Gaelic Warrior, you know failed to give his running, shall we say, um, maybe something amiss there with him because he didn't put up the performance he had done the last twice. But I think there is an angle here because people are just going to, or people have just sort of, you know, brushed this off as this was a nothing performance. But armed with the information of the clock, right? And I know a lot of people don't like time figures and they don't like this, but it does add a completely different element, particularly when you get an edge, in a two-runner race like this, which people just might write off as it was a sort of a walkover. Factor file, his final two-mile circuit was 24 lengths quicker than Hartwood, who won the handicap of 136, and Hartwood was carrying 23 pounds less than what Factor file was. Like, his splits from three to two were narrowly slower than El Fabiolo, sort of between fences. Now, not quite El Fabiolo-esque, but it's ridiculous how how quick this was run, particularly the final two miles. It was quicker than Al Fabio to the final fence, and then he's obviously eased down. It, like there is so much information in here on the clock to take away from that this horse is a, a top top prospect. Mm. Now, if you, for example, let's just say you, we had the technology to take him out of his race and plonk him into that handicap hurdle into that handicap race of Hartwood, you know, and if he would have won that carrying 23 pounds more by four or five lengths, you know, people would be saying, Jesus Christ, what a, what a great performance. But because obviously Gaelic Warren's not given his running, it's, I think it's going to go slightly underrated. He's one of the favourites at the festival, I think could be a lot, lot shorter, given how we've just looked down the field, given what he's done on the clock. And go back to Christmas, his time on the clock at Christmas was really good as well. Better than Gallop and Deschamps. Like that again has gone under the radar. So he's doing it all quietly, quietly. He's had six runs in his life. This was only his third over obstacles. Um, there's loads of improvement to come. You know, Woody Manners holds this horse in high, high regard, and I can see why. So I think he's got a great chance if he goes to the turner. 
I love it. Um, Richard, the novice chase then, back to foul, Gaelic warrior. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll just echo a lot of what Daryl said. I can just use a couple of specific sectionals from, from the races. I mean, it's always a little difficult when you compare them to races that are run at different tempos, you know, in the sense that you can only run a really fast pace if that's what's desired. But to suggest that um, you could strike out Gaelic Warrior as providing no challenge in a two-runner race, with a mile and a half from home, Gaelic Warrior ran a 13.64 and Factor 5 ran a 13.8. Um, no horse in the Irish champion hurdle bettered that until the final two furlongs when State Man matched it. So they they were going a really decent clip. So to suggest it was just an after you, Claude, or a little pop round and race over the last two fences is completely unrealistic and may well be part of the reason that Gaelic Warrior, after that little stumble, four out, um, compounded quite so tamely. So, yeah, 100% echo. I'm not sure I feel that the market has got them short enough or about right, probably. But definitely, you can learn a lot from the clock. And it was very informative as to how fast they had gone until Gaelic Warrior checked out. Because five out, you would have still thought Gaelic Warrior was travelling perfectly okay. So from there to the finish, you can discount. But the first part of that race, they were going a proper gallop. Fact or file, coped with it admirably. Yeah. And Daryl, am I right to say Fact or file is your performance of the week? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Just simply on the basis of... I, I, Look, I just like things where, you know, people might just brush off a performance as a nothing. And, and you know, you feel like when you're armed with information like this, you feel like you get a little bit of an edge. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Getting an edge. So, yeah, he would be the performance of the week, despite only beating the one runner. OK. Um, Kev, can I come to you when we look at the Tatsall Island Novice Hurdle then, um, in regards to Ballyburn, 9-2 into 13-8 for Supreme and 4-1 to into 2-1 to now for the bar in Bingham. Uh Slaysil 14 to 1 into 5 to 1 for the bar in Bingham. Um, so yeah, fascinating um that novice hurdle division. And Ballyburn, Kev, what do you how do you analyze it? Yeah, look, I, I was neutral on him coming in. Yeah. That he, he he did what he did. Um, but I, I wasn't sure just kind of where, where he was. Um, but this removes a lot of the doubt and fairness. Um, this this was a good solid race. Um, run at a good solid tempo, and and he fairly well blew them away, didn't he? Um, he was impressive at, at every stage of the race. You know, I think um, it is it very much, uh, it pretty much decides he's going to go for the, the the two miler. Dare I say? I mean, never know with Willie, of course, and I'm sure he'd be fine over two and a half. But given the way he races, um, you know, to me, he's always looked like a two miler. Um and he was really good. There's there's some lovely horses in behind him. A few shaped particularly well, um. But up in the front end where it matters, he he was dominant, and um. Yeah, he's gonna take uh, take a bit of whacking, as we like to say. <laughs> we do, we do like to say. We've got lots of good sayings on this show, Richard. It's hilarious. Um, the Dublin Chase, Richard L. Fabioli will start with you four to seven into four to nine. Uh, and Dino Blue six to four into eleven to. 10 for the Mayor's Chase, so no surprise there. So, yeah, the Dublin Chase, Richard. Yeah, look, this worked out exactly how I'd hoped, which will become a little bit more obvious with one of my anti-post tips a little bit later on, in that El Fabiolo turned away all of the potential challengers. Um, Dino Blue now won't, I'm sure, line up now in this particular contest. Um, and John Bond was taken out of the Ryanair, no doubt, as a consequence of that. So, 
El Fabiola versus John Bond is going to be a straight match. And thankfully, nothing muddied the waters. Hopefully, it'll be exactly the same at the weekend when the English challenge outside John Bond will be made to look probably pedestrian um, in the game spirit. And we will just be faced with a match between the two that fought out the finish last year. And um, I'm not 100% sure that it's quite as one-sided as everyone thinks at the moment. It's always nice, as Daryl says, when you think you can give an excuse for a horse of a you know, particular run. I think they'll be closer together, both in the market and at the finish. So El Fabiolo did it perfectly well. I'm intrigued that in most instances, he's been credited with a, a career best on some of the ratings by as much as half a stone. So whether that turns out to be correct or not, I'm not sure. But El Fabiolo won well and bring it on with him and John Bonner at the festival, because that's the sort of match-up that, uh, that whets the appetite. Of course it is. Daryl, your take on that? Yeah, I agree with, with pretty much everything Richard said there. Um, I must admit, I, you know, I'm a massive, massive fan of this also. I have been since, since sort of day one with him, since Anktree, when he was beaten by John Bond. But I, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. Like, I must admit, I wasn't I wasn't blown away. I was happy he got the job done. Um, I, I, I don't know. I did think he was a little bit laboured. And I might be being really harsh, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm like these horses do get to a ceiling, you know, mm. and um, I, I don't know, maybe maybe El Fabiolo is just hit, hitting his ceiling. The, the, the fortunate thing for El Fabiolo is that his ceiling is much higher than anything else in the division. So, <laughs> in my opinion, so yeah, look, um, he's got a Georgian ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a grand horse. He did everything. He's a grand horse. I'll tell you one of the quick interesting things was was that that Willie Mullins said how impressed he was with him because he had Dino Blue rev to the nines um, for this race and, and she was absolutely A1 spot on. And and he did say for for El Fabiano to be able to do that to, to Dino Blue is, you know, is, is, is impressive. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but do you think yeah. that Leopard's, just on that very quickly, that, that Leopardstown form took a pummeling all, all week, all weekend, didn't it? The, the, whatever you call it, the Rewards Club chase. So... He might have had her spot on, but I'm just not sure that he didn't overestimate the form of it. Mm, quite possibly, yeah. Quite possibly. We'll find out in March. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly will. Um, Kev, you happy with that? Because I, I was going to bamboozle you a bit about the Irish champion hurdle. Or did you oh, want to... Irish champion hurdle, please. Good, right. Are you ready for this? <clears throat> okay, state man at 72, unchanged, of course. Now, Michael Walker says, I have three questions. Okay, three questions. Oh, Lord. Are you ready? Three horses that lost at the Dublin Racing Festival that may win at the Cheltenham Festival. That's the first question. Second question, where next for Impere Pass? We can answer that one. <laughs> third question, yes. Given the possibility of a four, five-runner champion hurdle, what horse at huge odds only has to stand up for a good return? And Kev, if you need me to repeat any of these questions at any time, that is what I'm here for. So just shout. Yeah, you can probably repeat them all again. But Imperia Pass, I don't know, I assume he's going to go for the entry hurdle. Um, they've whipped him out of the 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 stairs and the champion. So uh, you can see why, can't you? Though. Yeah, and that's just been a setback. I assume he's going to go for the for the entry hurdle, which, well, which I makes thought, sense. I thought Daryl had just said, yeah, they're just not totally. Totally happy. They're just really keen um, to to save entry. Is that right? Am I right? Yeah, he's, he was dreadful the weekend, wasn't he? Look, he looked like he's going back. Well, in fairness, it, it just didn't work. He just he just hated making the run. You could see it from the get go. Like they were gone ten yards, and he was pricking his ears and backing off. Like I think they 
they just tried something and you, you I always admire fellas for trying something but it's just like absolute disaster so I, I'll, I'll, be I'll be trying I'll be trying to set a cheek pieces next time to be honest yeah, if you're gonna try something like that, you might want to go with the go with blinkers. <laughs> um, he, he didn't fancy it that way, so you forgive him for that. But um, kind of a strong move to to take him out of boat, um, especially when we're likely to get about two and a half runners in the champion hurdle as mentioned. Um, until Richard buys one and supplements one in, um, <laughs> but it uh, looks Stateman did his thing. He's just he, he's Mister he he's Mister Reliable, isn't he? Mm. Um, he can do whatever you want. He can make the run and he can drop in race handy you know never never makes a mistake and just wins um doesn't get people super excited but he just wins um and he did that again bob ollinger great to see him hit the line like he did don't know if you'd if you'd want to have your life on him now if things did get down and dirty in a in a tight finish um but he, he's definitely in, in in much better shape and a much better mindset than he was last season which is great to see um I, I I'd love to see Echoes of Rain and County Hurdle. I, I've always thought that type of race would suit her well. Don't think they'll do it. They'll probably shoehorn her into the mare's hurdle again, but um that, that that's what I'd like to see with her. And um I completely forget the other questions, Natalie. No, you need you need to just point it then. It was three horses that lost at the Dublin Mason Festival that might win at Cheltenham. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, sure. Look, we've touched on a few as well as we've gone through them. But yeah. like I'll I say, if I, if I if I got Go on. Yeah, go ahead, Darlene. Yeah, like, I'll just I'll just read in through a few things. So this is this is not down to me, but this is down to Ben Aitken, who who, who runs a page called Narrow in the Field. He does some stats, and it's it's fantastic to listen to. And just in regard to that question, this answers it quite well. Um, so if you if you're looking for Willie Mullins horses that have won the DRF last time out and age seven or younger going on to the Cheltenham Festival, he's got a 10 for 26, 38% stroke rate. They run 19% above expectations. But in relation to that particular question, who has been beaten, who will win? For those that did not win, remove the age bracket, um, Cheltenham Festival grade ones finished third or worse last time out. A zero for 52 in the Willie Mullins camp at Cheltenham Festival. So, you know, you kind of don't want to be looking for horses, or particularly of Willie Mullins's, that are going to reverse the DRF form at the Cheltenham Festival. So just some interest, some really interesting stats there on narrowinthefield.co.uk from Ben Atkin. Good shout out to him. That's some decent work there. Oh, that is incredible. I think you can probably, both of our companies, you know, you're sending fast or slow to the Ryanair as well, aren't you, Dara? So that's, a, that's potentially one of the three that got beat that could win something. And, um, if Dino Blue's been shortened from six to four into the eleven to ten minutes chase, I'm probably not sticking my neck out to suggest that might be another one. No, exactly, so, exactly. It's got to be. Oh, they've taken her out of the championship. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the right so, thing to do. You know, but, but if you if you want to if you want to have her in the last category, if you want to look right, at sort of horses that 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 covers, you want to be looking at. I mean, you're looking at horses like I Will Be Bay, Lock Glen, sort of Sharjah, Fasal Vega, Daddy Longlegs, Jitling, Jitlangi, Gold Dancer, those type of horses that are, you know, you people might try and think that they can reverse the form from the DRF to the Channel Festival, but the stats would say that they can't. So and not not Lock Glen, I don't think fell out the team, fell out the tally box, didn't it? Yeah, just to imagine uh, something would come to light there. That was that was too bad. And and yeah, obviously the last plant, which on which horse at huge odds only has to stand up for a good return to champion, as Kevin's already alluded to, we're now supplementing Charger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we, we we forgot to mention that actually a few races ago, but um our our long standing 
Shelton Money better project. Um, I don't think got got a blow over the weekend. King of Kingsfield, he might still end up in the in the county hurdle or the Martin Five. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, so does anyone? Because we will wrap up Michael's three questions in one question. Thank you very much, Michael. But there, we always love to hear from you. Does anyone have, um, like you said, the four to five runner champion hurdle? What horse at huge odds only has to stand up for a good return? Anyone got one? The one thing you got to say about that is though, is that you know you you're going to back something each way. You're going to pretty much lose the win part of the bet. Yeah. Then you're looking at three places. You're going to assume State Man and Constitution Hill are going to finish far two of those. So you're basically looking for something to place for one place. Not worth it. It's, yeah, no, it, like there there are better bets to be had over the week than than than. Yeah. Also need to, need to read need to read the anti post rules carefully as well, mm. um, because in some instances where that reduces, then you know you don't always get. Yeah, you know, read the rules. <laughs> read the rules yeah. carefully. There was plenty of. Agro in the past about people who've backed horses in races that have cut up and there's there's parts in the rules that mean you don't get the places you expect. I've been caught out for that uh, before. Right. OK, let's move on then quickly. We've talked about our performances of the week. Um, I will just... Let's stick mine in. Of course you can. Daryl, fact or file. Uh, Kev, your Madara, who we spoke about. And Richard, obviously, we're both at Sandown. Please we give us your performance of the week. James Best. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to suggest that Nickelback's going to play a part in anything at Cheltenham because he won't be there. He's going to go to the manifesto. Actually, I'd like to see him run at the celebration chase at the end of the season, back at two miles. Mm. It was just a perfect example of how some tactics, some bravery played into the configuration of a course. He flew down the Sandown fences. He didn't go anywhere near as fast as everyone suggested. If you look at the comparative times with Harper's Brooks race, for example, and Sacre Bleu went a lot faster uh, in that particular contest. It was just perfect belief, a wonderful result, obviously heavily tarnished by what went on with Hermes Allen, which was a real shame, both for connections and the fact that it was then a bit awkward to celebrate what was a fantastic result. Uh, particularly set against the dominance of Willie Mullins. No disrespect to Willie's top of his profession, etc. But those results, when they come round, should be cherished. And congratulations to Sarah Humphrey, James Best, and Nickelback. That was an absolute joy to watch and a great result. And yeah. from that, on, from that speech and that smile, it was a great result for that pocket of Richard Hoyle. No, no, it wasn't at all. <laughs> genuinely not. Um, I've known James quite a long time. You know, as in just to say hello and passing. And the natural enthusiasm and euphoria which he conveyed when he won that race the other day at Warwick, you know, for his mother-in-law, mm. um, you just knew. And the, the weighing room said it all, didn't it? They all came out to celebrate him back in. And that, I think, you know, just, it was, it was a really, really fantastic result, I thought, for, for, for racing. It was just such a shame that it was overshadowed or at least partly overshadowed by the death of Hermes Allen. I couldn't agree more because last time that happened was Charlie Doyle at Sandown and every jockey came out the weighing room and and for Bestie it it was just it was incredible and Sarah was speechless but yeah awful scenes with Hermes Allen absolutely awful and so sad for connections. Um, I'm just going to give you a last market mover but we are going to move on um, to our anti post for the Supreme. We're looking at the Supreme this week but just to give you the Betfair Sportsbook on Hartwood 16 to 1 into 8 to 1 for the Plate Handicap Chase and that Serial Winners Fund winner pot is now 160,000 so fantastic. Uh, Rachel Blackmore keep on riding those winners. 
Right, the Supreme Novices Hurdle then, Ballyburn 13 to 8, Mystical Power 9 to 2, um, Jericho Durapane 9 to 1, Cordell Potter 10 to 1, Firefox 12, and so we go 14 to 1 bar in the betting, and that first 14 is Mirasur West. So, Kev, do you want to kick us off with the Supreme Novices Hurdle, how you view it at this stage? Yeah, I fear I'm a positive flush here, Natalie, because uh, as mentioned earlier, Caldwell Potter is in is in my portfolio, and um, if in slightly different circumstances, I, I would have been pretty happy with what I saw over the weekend, in that the, the form got um got a decent boost for Predators Gold, and we have a new fab in Valley Burn, who'd obviously be a formidable rival for anyone, but it, it seems like Caldwell Potter is unlikely to go now, um, which which is a pity. He'd be he'd be a big factor, I think, in the race. But alas, there you go. We'll, we'll play it by ear on that. I don't, I don't think Nichols has definitely said he won't go, but it seems unlikely he'll have to settle in super well. And yeah. I'd be really pleasing him quickly to uh, for that to happen. And um, he is more of a long-term prospect. So that, that that dream is, it's not over, but it might be coming to an end, Natalie. Um, and look, as mentioned earlier, Ballyburn, look, I, I think he put a big stamp on this at the weekend. Um, we were hoping something would, and, and he duly did. Um, he looks very solid now, like mystical power. We've talked about him. He looks absolutely riddled with ability, riddled with pace. Not the world's most natural hurdler, which is, you know, not ideal. <laughs> uh, Jericho de Repine, who's got a big airing uh, on this podcast over recent months. I think we were, all, we were all in the same camp. We were hoping for more last time. It's not to say he can't do it, but right now his level um, is it looks a fair way behind Ballyburn um, and the bar he now sets. So while it seems the, the Supreme is still the intention for Jericho, um, he's going to need to find, you know, geez, a stone plus 20 pounds um, to, to get to Ballyburn. And that's a, a tough old ask. It is. Um, and Daryl, coming to you, can I just read your listener's question from Harp yeah. Tech? It says, um, Willie Mullins runs his two best novices, Ballyburn and Mystical Power in the Supreme. I'd be looking at it. JP got Jericho de Rappene, uh, Mirazur West and potentially no flyers on him for that race. So do you think they will switch Mystical Power or run Ballyburn in the two-and-a-half race, which I imagine is the Barring Bingham, but the Barring Bingham is not quite the supreme, though, is it? No, it's it's very difficult to to sort of... It's very difficult to answer that question. The one thing I would say is that I did hear a whisper that Mirazul West might not be seen again this season. Um, so, I mean, it's only a whisper, but the exchanges are, are not looking at him favourably. Um, I don't know. I don't know. No flies on him needs to come out in his prep run at Punchestown and, and do something impressive. Uh, Jericho de Repine, he's got, like Kev said, £20 to find. Uh, I don't know. I would prefer mystical power in the Ballymore because I think his turn of foot would, would, would wipe away what is typically a field of stayers. Um, Ballyburn looks... Oh, I mean, like this looks like a good thing, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you don't want to say it, but th this was a this was the best performance of any novice um, this season. Up, put, put aside Caldwell Potter, perhaps, but like, I'm afraid this year we've got a whole host of 140 horses or 135 to 140 horses, and very few that are going to push the boundaries of a of a mark of 150. And Ballyburn's just done that, so. Boring, I know, but I think um Ballyburner take all the beating. I'd be hope I think mystical power is, is a danger. I'd be hopeful mystical power goes to the longer race. Fair enough. And Richard, how are you analyzing the Supreme at this time? 
So let's assume that most of the knowledge of the Irish horses is now in the public domain, other than the run styles. The only thing I can say over the next few days is we get a clue, or a few clues actually, potentially, for some of the longer-priced English or UK participants. Django Bay lines up in the Sydney Banks tomorrow, forerunners there at Huntingdon. Um, so obviously he would need to win that impressively. Um, Peaky Bay uh, is a horse who's had a wind up uh, before the return last time. He's going to run in the Betfair Racing Podcasts. See what I did there, novices hurdle. <laughs> <laughs> You can come back, Richard. <laughs> on Saturday. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he is because the owners confirmed that. Um, and he holds, um, actually, I'm not sure he does hold a supreme entry. He might He actually might be even he's in the list. I think he's he'll go for the longer race, won't he, actually? So uh, forget that. But the more interesting race is at Exeter on Sunday, where um, it's likely Favour and Fortune and Tell Her the Name will both um, line up. Uh, Favour and Fortune is quite a fragile Horse, quite light framed of Alan King's and tell her the name has been quite impressive in much lower grade company. Um, fought out of finish, I think it was with Django by at uh, Ascot earlier on in the season. So that, there are a couple of lines of form. You know, if you have a look at those, they might be the potential shorteners if one of those puts up an impressive performance because the top of the market is uh, is pretty much set there. So um, they're just a couple of names at longer prices whose positive or negative approach might come to light over the course of the next few days. Do you, yeah, do you that, think... that race at Pontchastown could be quite spicy. Okay. Um, no, and him, um, Ball Dog is going to go there as well. And we talked about him a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, again, that, that's just two, but I said there could be a couple more. So there might be, might be a hand, a big hand left to be played. Yeah. Darrell, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to, because I can see, I can hear what everybody's sort of screaming at the screen at the minute and saying, what what do you think, where do you think Barry Byrne will actually go? For me, I, I, I just the way the Supreme has run, like the, the buzz about the place, the first race of the day, you know, horses are ready to go. They go, they go a hell of a gallop. <laughs> and, you know, that is what's going to suit him rather than the, the two and a half mile, in my opinion, where, Things have calmed down a bit, and it typically is one by a turn of foot. Um, just wondering what the lads would would think. What would they do with Ballyburn if if they owned him? Um, look, I'd go two miles. Look, in terms of the buzz, he he is such a buzzy horse that you nearly like it to be quieter for him. Um, but look, I think two miles is is his trip. Or it is his best optimal trip. Um, he stays two and a half just fine, but he just um he he gets quite fired up. And even on the quieter, one of the quieter days at Cheltenham will still be the loudest thing he's ever come across. And um, yeah, I just I wouldn't like wouldn't like to face into him over the mid range trip now with the possibility of him getting fired up. So, um, for me, it, I wouldn't be thinking too deeply too deeply about it now if uh, if I own. Yeah, I suppose that, that, that's fair enough. Part. I wouldn't have a overly strong view, having only seen the once at the weekend when he held his position and jumped well. I think points about the horse's pre-race demeanor might be might be interesting, and um, yeah, no, I I I'd probably stick him in the supreme. After all, he's you know he's thirteen to eight favorite for it on that list. So why would you go elsewhere? Yeah. yeah, good point. Well, that leads us to the final section of our show, episode eleven. Oh, I'm gonna miss you guys when this is all over. I can't believe it's episode eleven already. What? just really getting stuck in um this is when we look at our anti-post selections for the festival at this stage i'm not going to go through all the sections because that would add a yeah, lot thank god yeah for the show i <laughs> <laughs> no wants to hear my voice for that long what i will do is recap week 
10 where Daryl decided not to have a bet. And we we say that's absolutely fine. We give all the prices on the Betfair Sportsbook, but you do not have to have a bet if you don't have a strong opinion. So Daryl went no bet. Kevin gave us a big prize on home by the Lee, 33 to 1 for the stayers hurdle, still 33 to 1. And Tom Malone, it was great to have Tom on, uh, was Tishan at 33 to 1 for the champion bumper into 20 to 1. But I thought Tishan was making an appearance at Sandowns. I was getting very, very, very excited and it didn't go there. Anyway, thanks Tom for that tip. But still, yeah, so both Kev and Tom were 33 to 1. Um, so Daryl, kick us off this week. Do you have an anti-post section for us? Yes, I do. And it's in the Kim Muir. Uh, I put this all up. I put this all up on the column last week before the DRF, um, and I just want to keep in line, really, just for integrity reasons, with with me with me anti post column. Yeah. Um, and it is good time, Johnny, who I think has got a fabulous chance in the Kim Mule, which is a a bracketed handicap for amateur riders, naught to one four five. He was a big eye. He, I mean, he's been catching the eye a few times this season in in, in three runs over fences. He was the attempts winner last year off a mark of one hundred and forty two. He was dropped a couple of pounds after running on at uh, the DRF over a trip far too short. He's been over two mile five, two miles and two mile four, I think, three runs this season. He's crying out to go back up and trip. He needed every yard of the Potemps trip. He's down to a mark of 133 in Ireland now. Wow. He has been building towards this Kim Yule handicap and he's already been ridden by an amateur handicapper. Oh, uh, an amateur oh, jockey. Oh, I can't remember who. Derek O'Connor rolled Derek O'Connor, yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. So I think he's got a massive chance. But they put him in it. I put him up at 12 to 1 last week. He's 8 to 1 favourite for the race. But I can see this going off, you know, a very, very short price on the day. Very well handicapped. Temps winner from last year. Yeah, one thing I'd say, Darren, now, and I'm just talking off the top of my head now without the exact um, details in front of me, but I know there's been precedent in the past where the British handicapper where you have a chase rating that's significantly lower than the hurdle rating in Ireland, they don't reciprocate and that they will stick them in higher. I remember, wasn't there a precedent with a horse of Gordon's called um, the Storyteller off the top yeah. of my head, where he was notably lower um, one way or the other. And he, he was very well fancied for one of the handicaps and the weights came out and they said, no, we, we don't do things that way, lads. Here's a much higher mark for you. So again, I, I'm, I'm just off the top of my head here. Um, I'd need to look into it a bit closer, but it, it just might be dangerous to assume that um, like, like, they, like they, they could easily stick him in off his hurdle mark um, based, on, based on past priest. And again, off, off the top of my head now, I hope I'm not causing undue um, undue panic now that's unfounded, but I, I know there has been some precedent like that in the past. Yeah, he, he, he won the attempts off 142, went up to 147 after that. Can't imagine they'd put him in any higher than 145, would they? Um, they they can do they could they've done some pretty unjust things in the past. There, <laughs> ah, they can't. He's a good. Uh, so, no, no, I just uh, it, it would be it would be one worth it, it could be worth asking one of the handicappers directly, and then they might yeah. give you a steer. But I, I I think there is a precedent there for them for them being slow because they obviously do things a little bit differently in the UK in terms of um reciprocating marks. Um, than we do in Ireland, so so I just it would be one worth double checking. Okay, like it. Well, Kev, while we got you, what's your? Have you got an anti post? No, I'm sitting out. Right. Sitting that's, out. What, that's what we say. If you don't, yeah, I think from for, for me for me, for me, 
I think that from here on, you know, these markets are so are so scrutinized and so well developed. We're post DRF now. I think from now on, like it, it, the, the scope is really sneaky ones. You know, late switchers, um, particularly big prices. You know, I think that's that that that's the way I'm leaning. Um, I'll be I'll be very much looking forward to the way it's coming out. Um, but we're a little way away from that yet for the handicaps. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna sit out. Okay, and Richard, what about you? I'd get the one chart, so it'd be a bit negative to sit out, wouldn't it? Really, <laughs> um, the, the two points of interest: um, the comments about conflated, uh, not going for the or potentially not going for the cross country, makes Delta work seem of interest. I'm pretty sure Delta work will go shorter on the day. The handicaps, as Kevin's pointed out, until the weights come out, I'll just sit on my hands. So I'm going to go for one that might sound unoriginal, but give me a chance to make the case. <laughs> It's John Bon in the Queen Mother Champion Chase. Um, the reason being is it's a typical sort of recency bias. El Fabiolo comes off the back of smacking the backsides of everything in Ireland. And John Bon comes off the back of a woeful round of jumping. But I think you can contribute or attribute the performance solely to the jumping. And if they've now cleared everything else out of the way, it's going to be a match. And one thing for sure is John Bon will have now been well schooled. And they're likely to line up somewhere in the region of one to three and, you know, Three to one, probably that they'll probably take the whole market. And at the moment, if you shop around, you can get seven to two on the sports book as it stands at the moment. If you take the exchanges and take the chance of them running, you can get fours. And I just feel in a match where both can potentially make mistakes. As Daryl mentioned, El Fabiolo is not yet in my mind a sprinter sacra going back far enough, a Badsworth boy which dominates the division. The two of them have met on several occasions. Um and You'd favour El Fabiolo, but not by as much as the market. And I think if it, it comes a straight match and you can get four to one straight, seven to two about John Bon, I don't think you'd be too far wrong on the day. Like it, like it very much. Well, whew, thank you. What a fantastic show. We got through a lot. It's a little bit of housekeeping. We always give you prices from the Betfair Sportsbook. Remember our new offer on the Sportsbook. It's a completely free bet on racing multiples available every weekend, right up until the Cheltenham Festival opt-ins require T's and C's apply. Check out the Betfair Sportsbook for more on the offer. And as always, please gamble responsibly. Kev's out on this anti-post, quite right. So gamble responsibly. Yes, important. Very important housekeeping. But I hope you've enjoyed it, Richard. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, it was nice to chat Cheltenham, isn't it? It's going to become dominant over the next sort of month or so. It always helps crystallise your thoughts and nick a few of somebody else's. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but, he ain't I, talking about you, Kev. <laughs> I sit here with paper, just making notes. It's so fascinating you, to pick it, and it makes it then such an interesting festival. Like I say, we're eleven weeks in. Uh, Daryl, uh, Kev, Kev's vanished. I think maybe um, we'll be joining you again next week. But thank you so much for another wonderful show. And yes, have a lovely day. Thank you. 